Welcome to the second of four episodes of Feedstuff Swine Healthline, brought to you by Farmgate Animal Health and focused on mycoplasma hyopneumonia. I'm Sarah Muirhead. We know that MHIO is a primary pathogen in swine respiratory disease that impacts pork production worldwide. And we know identification of MHIO in live pigs is the preferred method, but it's not easy to do. Today's guests will talk about new practical tools that can improve and complement existing diagnostics on MHIO. Our guest is Dr. Maria Peters, a faculty member with the Veterinary Population Medicine Department and the Veterinary Diagnostics Laboratory at the College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Minnesota. A veterinarian by training, she has dedicated more than 15 years of research effort to defining and developing areas of diagnostics, epidemiology, and control of swine mycoplasma species with a special interest on disease elimination. She is the principal investigator of the University of Minnesota Mycoplasma Research Laboratory and an active member of the International Organization for Mycoplasmology. Here is Dr. Peters. Hello, and thank you for the introduction, Sarah. It is my pleasure today to talk about tools for practical diagnosis of mycoplasma pneumonia, but I'd like to start by clarifying the topic of this podcast, which it can sound, you know, like an oxymoron for many of the practitioners who are, who are listening. I am perfectly aware that the words practical and mycoplasma do not seem to go uh, together. However, it is my goal to bring a new perspective to that relationship and to share it through this recording. So just as a reminder, uh, mycoplasma pneumonia is a pathogen that affects respiratory tract of pigs. It causes sensorotic pneumonia and it's a significant contributor to the porcine respiratory disease complex. Infections by this pathogen can cause significant health and economic issues in swine farms, not only in North America, but um, all around the world. Now let's talk diagnostics. Put in a simple way, good diagnostics include a comprehensive clinical history and accurate laboratory testing, which are both interpreted and considered as a whole to achieve certainty in the diagnostic process. The major problem arises when not only one, but the two components of the good diagnosis are difficult to obtain. So for now, let's focus on the clinical history for mycoplasma honeymoon infections. Three important aspects to consider are clinical presentation, timing, and lesions. The clinical presentation, which is mainly a dry cough, is evaluated in groups of live pigs and can be relatively easy and inexpensive to assess using um, scoring systems. Nowadays, we even talk about the use of technology to remotely evaluate cough in pig barns, which is becoming more and more realistic. However, we do need to remember that dry cough is not unique to mycoplasma infections, and it doesn't occur in every pig that is infected and at all times during the infectious process. For the most part, pigs can be infected and not show the dry cough. It is also well known that cough is evident, you know, after infection has occurred, usually two weeks after exposure in experimental conditions, and this can be even longer in natural conditions. So in addition, cough commonly ceases approximately two months after onset in a group. Even though pigs will remain infected with the bacterium for long times that can reach up to, what, eight months or so. Other parameters that will be affected in infected pigs include average daily gain, days to market, and in some instances, the group mortality is going to be affected as well. 
The issue is that those parameters are, um, are usually evaluated at the end of the growing period, when maybe it is already too late for that group of pigs. So regarding long lesions, these are evaluated post-mortem. So definitely they do not fall into the classification of practical approaches for diagnosis of mycoplasma, but they are usually assessed. Just like clinical science, long lesions are easy to be evaluated. They are, um, in, and especially if you are using scoring systems for that purpose, that can be used for gross lesions and microscopic lesions as well. However, long lesions are not pathognomonic. And soil lungs can exhibit lack of health due to multiple bacterial, parasitic, and even viral agents. Moreover, lung lesions take some time to develop after infection, and they also heal you know, prior to the end of the infectious period. In the past, lung lesion evaluation was widely used to guide control measures, but today, the true application of lung lesion evaluation seems to be more limited, at least in North America. So now that we have looked at using clinical history for mycoplasma hanomone diagnostics, I would like to uh, talk about the role of laboratory testing in this process. And for this, I will mainly be referring to bacteriology, serology, and molecular biology-based ass based assays. Mycoplasma hanomone is a bacterium. It's a very special one. It is very small. It doesn't have a cell wall, but it's still a bacterium. And because of that, bacterial culture and isolation should be the first option for us to think about. However, it is very well known that this is a fastidious agent. It is extremely slow and difficult to grow it in vitro. It requires the use of specialized medium and a specific skill set. Here, I'm referring to very low chances of bacterial isolation during an extended period, which can reach several weeks, even months. Therefore, you know, most veterinary diagnostic laboratories do not offer bacterial isolation for this mycoplasma. Of course, obtaining an isolate is advantageous, especially thinking that an antibiogram can be performed or that an autogenous vaccine could be developed. But the reality is that no one really attempts isolation. And this is the main reason why there is so little information about the antimicrobial susceptibility profile of um, circulating mycoplasma hanemone variants. Another well-known and highly used assay for detection of exposure to a pathogen is ELISA testing for measurement of uh, circulating antibodies. Fortunately, various commercial kits are available for detection of mycoplasma hanemone antibodies, and they are offered in most veterinary diagnostic labs. Mycoelisa testing is relatively inexpensive and it has a very quick turnaround only using blood sample from which serum can be obtained. However, interpretation of mycoplasma ELISA results can be tricky. Let me tell you why. First of all, mycoplasma ELISA assay measure development of antibodies after exposure to the pathogen and not only infection. So this means that if a pig has been vaccinated, chances are that a positive ELISA result will be obtained although pigs may, may have not even been in contact with the infectious agent. For example, if we have a mycoplasma uh, negative farm in which vaccination is practiced, they, those pigs may exhibit positive ELISA results, although those pigs may be truly negative to the bacterium. On top of that, false positive and false negative results can be expected depending on the time after exposure to the pathogen. So pigs will not reconvert right after, after exposure. In fact, 
Antibody detection seems to be delayed by several weeks, sometimes months. Those false negative results will give us the incorrect assurance that the pigs are negative when in reality they are still in the initial phase of infection or they could be towards the end in the chronic phase of infection. And in both ends, the immune response to this pathogen is not too strong. So for instance, detection of mycoplasma honeymoon antibodies may not be obtained in experimentally infected pigs, even four or more weeks for post-exposure even though we know that we have infected those animals. On the other hand, false positive results can be obtained in certain situations, you know, knowing that the specificity of the test is not perfect. And this is like for, you know, most uh, tests. Sorting out the root of false positive results is difficult and it may involve the use of other ELISA assays or other confirmatory methods. So, well, if neither of the previously mentioned methods and assays work very well for mycoplasma detection, then what does? Testing by PCR has become highly available for pathogen detection, and especially for mycoplasma honeymoon, and it harbors a great degree of diagnostic accuracy. That is, it has a high sensitivity and a high specificity. In a nutshell, with PCR assays, a, re a really small, um, quantity of the genetic material of the pathogen of interest can be extracted from the samples. It is amplified in a thermocycler and is visualized. And this sometimes can be even quantified. All this can be performed really quickly in only a matter of hours, and you can generate results very rapidly. For those various reasons, PCR testing is considered today the new gold standard for mycoplasma detection and is the preferred method. But now let's talk about the details of PCR testing for MICO. The type of sample that is used for PCR testing is crucial to obtain the high accuracy of the test. That is, not all the samples will be equally sensitive for detection. And this is driven by the location of the pathogen in the respiratory tract and the chances of capturing that pathogen in the sample. So based on that, we can organize the sensitivity of mycodetection by PCR in samples being the highest in bronchial swabs, which is a low respiratory airway sample. However, this is a sample that can only be obtained post-mortem. So now talking in vivo, deep tracheal secretion samples obtained with swabs, with catheters, or with AI rods have exhibited the greatest sensitivity so far. And these are followed by laryngeal swabs, nasal swabs, and last, as the samples with the lowest sensitivity, we have oral fluids. Evidently, the ease of sample collection decreases when we go deeper into the respiratory tract. Thus, diagnostic sensitivity and collection ease go in opposite directions. Obtaining deep tracheal secretion samples ends up being possible with somewhat invasive methods even though wide application of the technique has allowed for approaches that are less difficult to perform. But what is the other side of the story? What can go wrong when we test with PCR for MICO? Of course, mycoplasma honeymoon detection via PCR is not perfectly accurate, and the sensitivity still varies depending on the infectious phase. In other words, acute infections can be detected rapidly, even faster than chronic infections, but extremely recent infections could be missed as well. 
However, PCR testing offers greater detection than the assays and methods previously mentioned. Two other factors about mycoplasma honeymoney PCR that are exceptionally important to talk about are, number one, the chances of simple cross-contamination, which can happen during simple collection, if, for example, the sampling supplies are not clean between pigs. And this is a very important downside of a such a sensitive test. And number two, the lack of differentiation between live or infectious and killed or non-infectious pathogens. And this is crucial when detecting the bacterium after antibiotic treatment. So what happens is that we may detect mycoplasma by PCR and assume that their pigs are still infectious, but we are not certain that they are. I would also like to mention that methods for molecular characterization of mycoplasma honeymoney, like gene sequencing, sequencing or typing, are available in veterinary diagnostic laboratories. Both methods, sequencing and typing, are used to discriminate variants in this pathogen and to attempt tracking of a given myco. This is very useful when trying to figure out the origin of an unexpected mycoplasma detection although no specific threshold exists to call variants different or similar. What I mean with this is that we do not know which percentage difference in a sequence is the limit to differentiate those variants. Keeping in mind that there are various methods to detect mycoplasma honeymoney and that they have pros and cons, I would like to say that the most important aspects of a successful diagnosis are having clear objectives and scientifically based testing strategies, and having a very good communication with pathologists and diagnosticians at your veterinary diagnostic lab. So when you ask, do you suspect a recent introduction of the pathogen to the herd, or um, does the case look like a lateral infection, or are the control methods in place providing the expected results, or was the eradication program successful? You have to know that in all cases, the diagnostic approach to answer all of those questions is going to be different. And this includes sampling, strategies, timing. In other words, one size does not fit all. Thus, knowing what you're testing for is essential and it dictates your course of action. There are strategies to maximize accurate results depending on your diagnostic objective. So get informed and perform specific testing. Don't get set on testing recommendations that have been developed for other pathogens. If I wanted a message for everyone to get after listening to this podcast is that practical does not mean easy when talking about mycoplasma honeymoney, but that doesn't mean that it is not possible either. Without a doubt, the area of mycoplasma diagnosis in our understanding of it has considerably improved in recent decades and has leveraged disease control at the farm level. It is up to us to know what the advantages and disadvantages are for its correct application and to obtain the most benefits from it. With this, I would like to thank you for making efforts in the field to control the effect of respiratory diseases in pigs by applying good mycoplasma diagnostic approaches and for dedicating your time to listening to this podcast. Thanks. 
That was Dr. Maria Peters, Assistant Professor in the Department of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Minnesota. Today's discussion on mycoplasma hyonemonia and its role in swine respiratory disease is the second in a four-part series being brought to you by FarmGate Animal Health. As Dr. Peters explained, new tools are available to identify mHio successfully in live pigs. Practical diagnostics are one way to manage mHio. One choice for control of swine respiratory disease is Avelison water-soluble granules, which is a product that was approved this year for the control of mHio, giving it the broadest label indication of any product for the control of swine respiratory disease. What about you? Do you have questions for Dr. Peters? What strategies are working well for you to control mHio? Please email those questions and comments to swinehealthline at farmgate.com. Please also join us for the next episode of Feedstuff Swine Healthline, brought to you by Farmgate Animal Health. We'll talk to Dr. Dominic Mays of Ghent Institute Porcine Health Unit in the Faculty of Veterinary Medicine. Dr. Mays will talk about how mHio interacts with the pig and its impacts on immunity. I'm Sarah Muirhead. Thank you for listening to Feedstuff Swine Healthline. 